Hello and welcome to the Caravan Industry Insights Podcast. This podcast is for anyone working in the caravan industry, whether you're from a manufacturer, supplier or dealer here in the UK or elsewhere. So listen every week to hear insights, interviews and marketing tips to help keep you and your business more informed and successful. I'm John Rawlings, a journalist and communications expert with a lifelong passion for caravanning and 20 plus years PR and event experience in the car and caravan industries. From starting in the editorial team at Practical Caravan Magazine to working in the press offices at Vauxhall, Volvo and Volkswagen and now in my own business specialising in the caravan industry. So in this week's episode, we have an interview with David Elliott, the CEO and founder of Wellhouse Leisure, which is celebrating 20 years since he founded the business and started converting camper vans. This is going to be an interesting uh, interview because we've already done a previous interview with uh, Bailey, Simon, Simon Howard at Bailey. So we've gone from looking at, at, looking at large-scale manufacturing of caravans and motorhomes to now looking at the other end of the market, camper vans with David. So David, David started converting, uh, started his business by converting quality uh, used, used vans imported from Japan, such as the Mazda Bongo, which went on to be quite a success, and, uh, and also the, yeah, the Toyota Granvia. Then he progressed up to new vans such as the Hyundai i800, which was a great success for uh, Wellhouse, uh, winning several awards from the Caravan and Motorhome Club. Now, I've known David since 2013, when Wellhouse Leisure uh, was first to produce um, the first camper van pro- um, conversion of the Ford Transit Custom, which he called the Terrier, which we successfully launched at the uh, October NEC show that year. Since then, uh, David's uh, gone on to various other things, worked closely with a variety of brands and continue to be successful. Currently, main brands you're converting are the Ford Transit and Toyota Pro Ace. Uh, plus, I think you're supplementing that with some, still using some uh, used brands from Japan. David would definitely be described as quite a character with the typical uh, common sense, straight talking you'd expect from a Yorkshireman. On top of that, He's also raised lots of money for charity by running marathons and hosting charity balls. Now, I know David's going to have a lot to say, uh, which I'm really looking forward to hearing. And I'm really keen to catch up with his latest innovations on his electric camper van. So, hello, David. Hello, John. That's How are you? Yeah, very, yeah, very good. Yeah. Good. Quite looking forward to this. So, Wellhouse Leisure, 20 years. What You, you started it from um, after uh, growing up with a succession of camper van and motorhome holidays. Is that right? Yeah, I mean, uh, probably quite rare now for a, for a larger converter. I mean, we try to sell either a large converter or a small manufacturer. Right. I think when you look at all the other manufacturers now, they're all second, third generation or just people brought in to manage. I think the difference between what we do, and we're quite lucky with this, is, you know, we we started the company, we were, you know, I founded the company. But before that, my uh, early childhood goes back to uh, an Austin Paralanium, uh, which is all the people out there, they'll be, they'll be going, oh, that's like a comma. So I was born in uh, the great year of 1971. And uh, we, my earliest rec- recollection of uh, of a child was about 1974, in this hospital power lady, when you could actually park under the Eiffel Tower, believe it or not, in a motor room. Now you can't get within 200 metres of it through security. So, time to 
Uh, so, um, so yeah, my, you know, I had great childhood memories uh, growing up. Um, I remember I'd come home from school um, four, five, six, five years old, six years old. And on a Friday, it was exciting because my mum would have the motor home packed up, uh, ready to go on a Friday night. And uh, we used to go up from where we were lived in Sheffield, uh, East Coast. If you were from Sheffield, you either went to Skegness or a bit further up coast, Bridlington, Scarborough. We all kept to the east side of, uh, of the country because that's what worked the easiest to get to back there. And uh, I still remember a lay-by very fondly just outside Bridlington uh, where we used to pull up on a Friday night and my dad, being a proper Yorkshireman and he's uh, 87 and still going and still buys and sells campers at 87. Really? Uh, we were too tight to go on a campsite, so we used to pull into this lay-by for the first night and then second day we'd go into Bridlington and find a campsite. So um, every time I use, I, I mean, I'm being passed for a few years, but whoever I'm with, whenever I went past that, that lay-by, I used to go, when I was five-year-old, we used to camp in there. I and mean, it is, uh, you know, it's quite, uh, it's a bit emotional really, because, you know, my, my childhood, uh, my, uh, my teens, my, you know, my early work life was all connected to motor rooms. And then when I was, you know, 30 years old, 20 years ago, um, you know, we started well out. So all part of my life has been connected, you know, doing do that's good. Yeah, that's good. You've got a passion for it and a lot of experience of using them and then being on the on the business side of it as well. Yeah, I, I couldn't imagine doing what I do without a passion. Yeah. Um, I see people, you know, friends, lots of my friends have got their own business and, you know, large and small, you know, and uh, some of them don't have a passion for what they do. And I find it, I find it intriguing. I find it strange. I have respect for people being able to do something in life that you don't have a passion. Mm -hmm. uh, I don't understand it. I don't know how, you know, I could not do a job that if I didn't have a passion or a reason for doing it. So I have been very lucky, not just through my 20 years with Wellhouse, but, you know, throughout my working life, um, being able to do something that I enjoy doing. Uh, yeah, I completely uh, understand that. I know that's why I'm doing what I'm doing. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, so how did you how did you come about starting Wellhouse Leisure then? I know you were buying and selling motorhomes before that, but what, yeah. what created or what made you create Wellhouse? So in the mid nineties, myself and my dad, um, we had a company called Deep Car Motorhomes, and at that time, this is before Google. This is before you could email fifty people in fifty seconds. Yeah. And I, we decided that we were going to contact all the local dealers in the UK. And uh, so I wrote to every one of them and some of them I remember fondly and I'll, I'll have some shouts out for, uh, you know, Cleveland Motor Roads, uh, Ken Jackson, bless him, who's uh, sadly passed away. He invited me up there to go and have a look around and uh, also uh, Mr. Pike down at West Country uh, Motor Roads, Steve gave me a lot of advice in early years about what we did, you know, best way to do it. Um, most of which I took no notice of him. I wish I had. We used to as well um guy this guy called steve there sales guy and um yeah you know so it was good so I, I remember we got all these old you know this is you know i remember 25 years ago so we were still getting the odd comma old volkswagen t2 t3 oh, wow. uh, all the part exchanges that they came that came in that they didn't want we oh, get wow. them 
if we would sort of, you know, to come up and really sell them on. Um, and then in 1998, uh, we had, I had a house that I rented out to a, a mature uh, German student uh, who was a little bit older than me, and he'd come across to the UK to do his degree, his engineering degree in English. And turns out, you know, he said, what he, he looked at what we did, and he says, do you want me to fetch you a motor home back from Germany? And we went, and we've been looking at how we could import second-hand Heimers. Bear in mind back then, it wasn't, you just didn't jump on a plane and fly out and drive back and say, needed in an inside person over there. Uh-huh. And uh, Dirk Opperman, which is what he's called, uh, next thing, he brings back this Heimer on a, based on a, four, an A-class based on a Ford Transit with a 2.4 diesel engine in. It took him ages to get back in it. Came, brought it back and this thing were like so different to what we'd been used to and what we were selling. And uh, we sold it quite quickly. Uh, the, let's just say the margin, profit margin on it was rather different to what we were making on older UK vehicles and things like that. And then all of a sudden, he said, you want me to get another one? And within four or five months, we were backwards and forwards to Germany. Um, he went every week. I would go every two or three weeks. And this was the time when the Jeep Airlines had just launched. So good. Uh-huh. All of them from Stansted. So I remember in late 90s, uh, early 2000s, regularly getting up at 2.30 a.m., 3 a.m., and then driving down to Stansted, uh, catching flights out of there across to Germany, and uh, we would then get a higher car, go and pick the first panel, and drive to the second one. And it, it it was it was like clockwork, you know. But it were also it wasn't like work as well. It were almost like going on holiday every week. <laughs> bit of fun, bit of adventure. I mean, I, I can remember some great sat outside a German bar at night where we camped, you know, for the first night we stayed in the van, you know. But then I can also remember doing twenty-two hour days wow. in in the dark, in the snow, in January and things like that, with no heat, with no, they'd taken the gas bottle out of the van, oh. you know. Uh, oh, we'll keep that. No, no, please don't. I'm going to freeze to death. <laughs> so, if we were, you know, it was, it was full on. Um, but I look back on them days before when I was, um, the previous four or five years before when I was with great fondness. The reason we stopped doing it was, uh, basically, we, we we wanted different things. You know, I'd already been doing this for quite a few years, and uh, and it was through the deep car motor homes. We used to import um, early Volkswagen T4s. Indeed, I remember these were all left-hand drive Westphalias, fantastic quality, you know, back then. And I remember coming back in a nearly new 150 horsepower T4. Now, this was back in 98, 99. You couldn't buy anything in this country that had a, the engine power on, on a small one-ton panel van and air conditioning and armrested seats. It was like, wow, why are we not, why is nobody doing this in the UK? And um, that that's what gave me the early de- uh, early ideas uh, wow. for setting Wellhouse up. So we got to 2002. 
And we, we decided by then that we needed to change things and uh, early 2002, 2002. But I actually found what, what decided it was, it was Christmas Day, 2001. You know, when you have a moment in your life where you can actually remember things. I mean, yeah, I have wow. my name sometimes and my kids' birthdays nowadays. <laughs> but I remember about 1 p.m. on Christmas Day, 2001, and then wife's shouting at me, uh, saying, your Christmas dinner's out. Can you get in here and look after kids, which were obviously really small back then. And, and I'd found this thing on, on the, uh, the actual search engine was hot locked. This was, this was in the days Google didn't exist, I think. And uh, please don't go searching hot lock on any. <laughs> you wouldn't no. like it. That was it. That was it. So, uh, so yeah, I remember seeing these master bongos at the time and I'm thinking, this is different. And uh, I remember saving it, coming back to it, well, probably Boxing Day a couple of days later. And through the following months, early 2002, um, we, we, we just started looking into it. And I actually have my first email that I ever sent to a guy in Japan called Victor Mays. And Victor is, he won't mind me saying, he's a cantankerous old Kiwi, now well into the 70s, who lived in Osaka. And I got the reply back from him. And I've still got the original email I sent a reply from 20 years ago. Wow. Uh, you know, I look back at that and think, wow, that, that's where it all started. And uh, later that year, uh, a friend of mine called Vaughan England, who I'll, uh, I'll put a shout out for, because Vaughan had a company back then called AVA Leisure, which was actually down South London, outside of Virgin Head offices near Gatwick. And Vaughan were doing quite well with old 20 T4s. And uh, he, he, we decided, to, we were all friends, and we decided, let's get on a plane and go to Japan and find out, find out what this is all about. And, uh, you know, I'd never been further than Spain. You know, next thing we're in, and Japan, uh -huh. it's, it's a different country. It's always it's very strange. Some of the things, it took me two or three days to just acclimatise, not to just time difference, just to their way of life mm -hmm. and uh, how things work over there. And next thing we've got, you know, Toyota Hiaces, Master Bongos coming across on blue. If you look back to, you know, 2002, uh, back then what was available, there was nothing, you know. The next thing we're bringing Master Bongos in, two point five turbo diesel, four wheel drive, automatic, uh, air conditioned. I mean, proper air conditioning that works. Electric window blinds, electric elevating roof. If I read that spec out now at a show, people would go, "Oh, is, is this the latest van?" No, twenty years ago. You know, from Japan, and uh, although the Mazda Bongos have got a slight questionable reliability, the Toyotas that we were bringing in uh, around that time, many of them, probably most of them, are still on the road. You know, and uh, you know, one of the things people sort of said to me, you know, you maybe ask this question later on, but you know, I would, I would go back to that time today because we, we still do lots of Japanese vehicles and we love doing them. It's where we started. It's where we come from. And, uh, you know, it's where we still enjoy being, you know, it's a, it's what, a great, um, great yeah, thing. What, what sort yeah. of price do they retail at? Do you retail them at today then? 
So something like a 2007 Toyota Alpha, 2006-2007, £25,000, um, upwards, depending on mileage. But we've actually got one landing at the port later this week, which were pre-sold months ago. That's done 11,000 miles, and it's a 2008. One owner, full service history. Ah. And, you know, people probably watching this video, uh, hopefully it will put them off going because we don't want everybody going and doing what we do. <laughs> but, um, you know, these, these, these vehicles from Japan are all like brand new. They are underneath, you know, the condition of them. And, you know, we still get it nowadays where people ring and say, oh, I'm, I'm worried, can I, Can you get me a new one? And, well, come and have a look at them. When they get here, I'll put one on a ramp and they'll look underneath and go, that's like brand new. And they go, exactly. And they go, is that a new one? I go, no, that's 12 years old. And they go, wow. You know, and, you know, once they buy into it, but, but back three years ago, we had the import phobia of, easy to grey import and uh, we used to, you know, it was, we used to call it the man in the pub syndrome and what would happen, somebody would traditionally, you would sell vehicles probably on a Saturday and back then we open Sunday and somebody would come along and on a Monday morning you'd call and they go, uh, 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 it's me, uh, I bought a bongo on Saturday and all oh, right, okay, and you knew what were coming in. We went out with friends Saturday night. We told them that we bought this Japanese imported camper van and they think we're crazy and, you know, and I went, oh, dear. I says, did you know much about Japan? And, you know, you had all that back then, probably grey imports. Yeah. Um, you know, but uh, you don't really get that nowadays. Uh, but, but yeah, there were, you know, great days back then. And uh, I did 12, in total, I've done 12 trips to Japan. Oh. I've not been for a few years, but I'm, I'm a great believer in whatever you're going to do, stick your nose in there and understand what it is and how it works. And then you know yourself, you know, what to do. So, mm. and that's what we did. We were backwards and forwards. At one point, we were going twice a year to Japan. Right. Uh, you know, so we, we know what's, we always knew what the next thing to be doing and what to be looking at. So, so, but, so, so when did you then transition into converting brand new vans from the, so in the UK? Yeah, we had its first taste of uh, of doing. We did sort of two or three new Toyotas in the mid uh, mid two thousands, about two thousand and five, two thousand and six. Um, but back then, the Toyota with for the volume we'd have done, um, it, it just didn't happen. It didn't work for them or work for us. And in two thousand and ten, I was actually in New Zealand. And uh, I saw Hyundai i800, and I thought, wow, I didn't, I've not seen them before. And although they did have them in the UK from 08, I'd never really seen them UK. So I contacted Hyundai, and it just progressed from there. Next thing, we've, we've got this Hyundai going to a show uh, in 2010. Rybo in Germany uh, provided the roof and seat system. We did all the testing on it for type approval. We had National Caravan Council approval. So for a little company like Wellhouse to basically get a vehicle um, of something, you know, of, of that stature to, to be, you know, fully homologated and things like that, um, it were a big thing for us. You know, we were so the next thing we we turned up at the at the show, our first uh, show at the NEC. And I remember these Hyundai's brand new back then, was £34,000 
This was in 2010. One with low mileage recently sold for 30,000. And <laughs> just look back and think, were we too cheap then? Is it, you know, what's happened to the world where, you know, it, it, this was last year. So 11 years later, yeah, and four thousand pounds wow. less. That's incredible. Yeah. But it's a good-looking van, and they're they're built to last, aren't they? Yeah, I mean the Hyundai were great because you know one thing I think Wellhouse has always been seen seen you know, people see us as is we we don't conform. It'd have been easier for us to go out. You do Volkswagens and you know T4s when we started, then T5, T6, and a great van, you know, but uh, and, and for some reason I found more pleasure trying to be a thorn in Volkswagen's side than, than just doing what everybody else did. And, you know, the higher dies were great. They were a little bit longer than a, than a Volkswagen and they were a little bit lower and, you know, people, you know, five-year warranty, again, yeah, yeah, that's back true. then. Mm-hmm. You know, so the, it just worked for us. It was something different. And, mm-hmm. you know, like the Master Bongo, there were not many people doing them when we first started. So yeah. we seem to have set this track record of uh, most of what we do. We we seem to be the first and get it developed. And then, yeah. you know, we must be doing something right because next thing, you know, six months later, lots of others are doing them. So, mm-hmm. you know, I suppose it's, uh, we should be flattered by that. Yeah, of course, of course. But maybe most noticeable, notable, I think, is your is your Ford um, Transit, Transit Custom. Yeah, and uh, again, I can remember the first time I saw one of them, uh, myself and uh, Carl, who we used to, Carl was like the right-hand man in early days, coming out of the NEC show. I think this was mid-20, it was the October show, 2012. And uh, Carl's got a very dry sense of humour. And as we were walking past, actually, uh, Roywood Transit stand, uh, for somehow Steve, Steve at Roywood Transit have got this left-hand drive Ford Tornado, the new the new one coming out. And uh, I don't know how we got here. I don't think anybody to this day knows how we managed to blank that on his stand. But me and Carl stopped. Carl looked at it, looked at me, and I just, he never said anything. And I went, I'll contact Ford, I'll sort that. And that just progressed from there. We'd never done any Fords. Um, you know, we, we'd not, uh, we'd never done anything really European. Uh, so that was new to us. And it all happened really quickly. And in in early 2013, we got these first two models. We teamed up with, with what was then Pearl Ford in Huddersfield. A guy called Matthew, really good to us and helpful. And uh, next thing, one of the bands we shipped off to Rhymo, they had its uh, elevated roof fitted and its seat fitted. We did the conversion. So as you, this is where you come into it. So as you remember, um, October 2013, we had this, when you were allowed to do press releases before 10 o'clock at the show. Press, uh, press, press launches, yeah. Press launches, sorry. Yeah. We, we got yeah. this nice, uh, expensive cover that I've still got somewhere because the, the cover cost that much. I thought I'm keeping that. <laughs> and then, um, you know, rather daunting in front of all these people. I'm trying to do a speech about this new van. And, uh, you know, I don't think we ever realised that, but it sort of moved us up. You know, it was like, if you're a football club, it was like probably getting promoted into your next league. Mm-hmm. And, uh, yeah, it, it, everybody loved it. I mean, that that van was it changed the face of one-ton panel vans. Uh, and again, with respect to VW, they had no competition back then. 
and all of a sudden Ford bring this van out and, and it was fantastic as well. I mean, it was, in terms of the space in the back, it was much squarer, so it worked better as a camper van. And, uh, you know, we got it right from day one and we obviously went on, I think we've done in region of 1,100 new ones and at least 200 used ones where we've put a new conversion on. So, yes, they've been a major part of well out since. Uh, and you, but you've worked really closely with Ford on that as well, didn't you? Yes. Um, you know, Ford, you know, at one point we, we were into Ford dealers. Uh, we were allowed to go into them. And Ford, at, I think it was the either 2014 or 2015 show, uh, commercial vehicle show. Uh, Ford said, "Do you want to bring?" Um, and uh, yeah, I remember it, that. It had actually been uh, we'd been at a show already with it. They collected it. I said, "I'll drive it down." They went, "No, no, we come and collect it." And I, I remember going. The CV show used to be on Tuesday, Wednesday, Thursday, midweek in March, April time. It was. Um, uh, I remember going onto the Ford stand the day before the show and the setting up. And these our lovely red Ford custom Terrier one. And it was underneath the big blue Ford sign and the blue oval. And I said to this stand manager, I went, where are you going to put the camper? And he looked at me as, and sort of, you know, politely said, what are you on about? I went, well, where's it going to go? And my thought, it's not, this is the prime position on Ford stand at the yeah. show. And he went, it's in his position. And uh, I'm like, oh, my God, you know. And I spent <laughs> the next three days um, and installed the show. Everybody, because it was, you know, you got this lovely bright red yeah. underneath the, all the blue background. Uh, and it was almost a little bit embarrassing because Ford were there to obviously to sell hundreds of vans, which is what they do. And everybody's crowding around and crowding in this uh, this Ford Transit custom that nobody had seen before. Mm. And uh, that went on for quite a while in the early days. And uh, yeah, Ford did say to me, they went, look, we've got Mustang coming, we've got uh, Ford Focus RS, you know, the limelight with us won't last forever. So basically enjoy it while you can and milk it while you can, which, which is we did. And, uh, you know, at one point we uh, we got something like 34 dealers uh, that were selling it for us, which were way too many because we couldn't build enough of them to supply them all. We couldn't supply any of cells. But, uh, yeah, it was uh, – it, it all happened very, very quickly. Mm. And, uh, yeah, we're very good. Yeah, and it won awards, it's, and it still looks really good today, doesn't it? Yeah, I mean, we won in 20 – in 2014, the, uh, the MMM uh, Warners Group, we won Camper Van of the Year. And apparently it wasn't, I remember Peter Bourne telling me, it wasn't that far off winning the overall award. And then it went on to win awards at Practical. And even three, four, five years later, in different versions, it was still winning awards, the Lux yeah. XL, which is a long wheelbase ITOP oh, version. Yeah. yeah, We did the yeah. MSP version as well. Yeah, which nice. So yeah, they really shook the market up. So so bringing that right up to today, tell me about you. You're starting to convert some electric camper vans. What's what's that all about? Yeah, I, mean, I will say, I think anybody in the motor industry will tell me now that we are in the most it's crazy times. Nobody knows which way it's going to go. You know, first of all, it was going to be hybrid. Now it's going straight to electric, but 
everybody knows people that want a camper van from where we are. So middle of country, Sheffield, Barnsley area. Yeah. You go up to Edinburgh, you know, up into Scotland for a long weekend. You're not going to get there on one charge. Infrastructure is coming along, but slowly. So we know it's coming, uh, but it's not there yet. So it's like, well, what do we build? Do we do we do diesel? Do we wait for electric? So we're all at this crossroads of we know it's going to happen. We just waiting to know when it's going to happen. So I think we're probably just going to keep for us. We're going to keep a cross section of vehicles until until such time where the demand moves away from internal combustion engine. Um, but uh, we've seen a massive increase in the Japanese petrols that we do because they're not affected like diesels. Uh-huh. So in a bizarre way, um, I mean, an example recently, we had somebody who had a 2011 um, Hyundai i800 that was a Euro 4. So that wasn't going in any major cities any any anytime soon. They traded that in for a 2008 Toyota Alphard from Japan with a new conversion. Uh, so they went back uh, three years, but the, the Alphard, because it's petrol, is acceptable in the clean air zones, whereas the Hyundai isn't. Mm. So, so that's, you know, that's changed for us. And, you know, one re- good reason why we carried on doing the Japanese ones. Mm-hmm. On the electric side of it, um, we've, we've uh, as, a, as I'm speaking now, we've got a uh, Vauxhall Bivoro in, in, in build, and we've also got our first Toyota Pro Ace as well. Both of them are 75 kilowatts uh, motors, medium wheelbase. The conversions are basically same as uh, as, as the diesel version. Yeah. So they're both in build, and we've also got the little uh, DFSK, which is to my left outside, um, parts outside, which is a quirk. I, I don't think DFSK might be saying it's a quirk and strange little van, um, but so are camper vans. And I've been driving that every day now for nearly a month. I've just been to Tesco earlier today, plugged it in, got, got enough charge to run me for a couple of days, free as well. So, uh, so you know, as much as we know that the electric vans are some way off, yeah. they're not here, they're not for everybody. And I think that's the thing with electric. Um, some people are going to go, no, it's not for me at the moment. Others are going to go, well, you know what? It's not perfect on a long distance, but Monday to Friday, what a great little vehicle to run around in. So, so for people that have got um, solar panels and a driveway, mm-hmm. you know, running an electric vehicle, it's, mm-hmm. it's like running for nothing. They can charge it up and, and you know, over a period of the day and uh, it's free electric, you know. So, and, so, and have you got any plug-in hybrids yet? Because the Ford Transit do what are meant to be. Well, Ford, Ford did the original custom. Um, which is which has already come to an end. Um, it drove lovely, but the price of it was just it just prohibited being converted into a camper van by the time we'd added uh, our uh, our conversion on. Now I only know what's what I've been told up to now, and the, the new Ford Custom, which comes out, well, it's already these pictures of the electric version out there, and so that's. Towards mm. the end of, um, sorry, towards mid, mid to late 23 right. is when the new model comes out. And we know there's going to be diesel versions, full electric, and there's going to be some sort of hybrid. Now, I'm not sure on the hybrid. And out of all those three, the hybrid one is the one that's of most interest to us 
Right. Yeah, because somebody using a camper van, yeah. you know, and we understand they don't want diesels now that we're worried about getting diesel, but they yeah. also worried about getting full electric. So having this something in, in between. Um, some Sounds sort good. So, yeah. So, and does that cause you any complications? It must be extra, the, the van must be heavier if it's got batteries. I'm just thinking about payloads and all that sort of jazz. Yeah, I mean, camper vans are, uh, sorry, the, the, the hybrids are a bit like me. They're always going to have a bit of a weight issue, you know, and no matter what you do, and you keep chipping away, trying to get rid of it, and uh, yeah. it's still there, unfortunately. Um, yeah. Now, one thing that, you know, the payloads have gone up on the van, and I believe. I believe there was talk with DBLA about raising the, the driving license on electric vehicles, the weight limit up from three and a half ton. I've seen various things on that. Of yes. Which is correct, which isn't. No, no. But it's a sensible thing to do on electric vehicles because you lose so much of your payload. Um, we tried to do the uh, the LEVC, which is basically the London taxi. Oh, yeah. And yeah, I got a soft spot for that vehicle. I drove it to Germany. Again, it was a quirky vehicle. So it's basically a London taxi with the baton back on it. And um, it, it was great. And that had got a 1500cc Volvo petrol turbo engine, obviously a fuel tank. And then it had got this electric motor and battery pack. And it would do around just under 60 miles on the charge. Uh, but the problem with that was the price of it and the payload. And the payload was so poor to start with. By the time we'd added in our conversion, I mean, a German crash-tested seat system, it's always going to be this a German crash-tested seat system. It's going to be heavy. You know, so you, there's certain things that you've got and to carry for passengers for the type of approval. So unfortunately, that, that didn't work. We just did a couple of prototypes. Oh, shame. Yeah, it looked good. Um, but yeah, hopefully the, the the model that Ford and Volkswagen are bringing out in 2023, um, we're open to have details of the hybrid soon, um, and a lot will depend on price as well. Yeah. I mean, I've seen, you know, fans. I've never seen increases like it. You know, the the crazy, but as as everything goes up, that's the way it's going to be. So. Mm. Yeah, I've seen some pictures of that electric transit and it looks it looks good, but it basically looks the same in terms of your conversion. The back of it looks pretty similar to me, um, is it? No, I'm uh, fortunate to see some clear models of this very early on. Okay. So I can see how, how similar a lot of it is. And, you know, when we first saw this, um, certainly it looks a stunning fan. You can't get away from that. It looks It looks really nice. But um, I think that the actual, the squareness, the, the you know, the USP of the current Ford Transit Custom, mm-hmm. everybody will tell you, is, is the squareness in the back. Mm-hmm. To convert into a camper van is the best thing that any around. Um, I think the new one will lose that a little bit. I think it will be a little bit smaller in the back, uh, less room to play with. So probably more like, the current Volkswagen T6, you know. Mm-hmm. So, but oh, we're, we're, yeah. so a bit of work for you to do on that then when it comes. Yeah, yeah. So I uh, just wanted to get what your what your thoughts were on 20 years of, of camper van production. Have have things changed much? I mean, the classic layout is still there with the pop-up roof and side kitchen and stuff. What about standards and how do, how do consumers choose between one from the other? Because they all look pretty similar still, don't they? These, these certain things, and you know what? It's probably no different to what it was 20 years ago as what it is today. Um, you know, you've still got 
um, you know, I've always classed camp and converts as a manufacturer as a bit like football league teams. So you've got your Premier League teams and your championship, and then you've got your Northern and Southern Conference League as well. And somewhere we all get categorised and, and put into them, you know. Uh, all our new vehicles nowadays, you know, they're all crash-tested seat systems, et cetera, which we should be having. Um, but you still get people that can build a new van and there is no form of testing, no form of gas certificates. It's nothing. And, you know, as a, I think as a country in Europe, I think we're one of the only few that still let this happen. And, uh, you know, we're all for competition, but it needs to be on a level playing field. And the amount of people, you know, I was, you know, people have said to me, oh, I've seen another band and it, and I'll say, has it got a gas certificate? And they'll ask and they'll come back and they go, no, is it important? Like, because it's important, you know. This is what you get in our in our sector. I mean, we know um, uh, twenty years ago there was probably yeah. seventy-five to a hundred and twenty-five, hundred and fifty Alberta's maximum in the UK. If that, these now in excess of two and a half thousand. Good grief! Absolutely astronomical. But yet, I think it's still the same small percentage of ones that do it properly, you know, with the right certificates and things like that. And, you know, part of that is because um, people's allowed to get away with it. Um, you know, I have, I've been vocal with this and our industry body, um, I think, should and could do a lot more to encourage these, uh, you know, these startups. We were a startup once, as as was all our major competitors. We all started somewhere, and um, you know, and 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 I think with the shows, um, I think you know they could do a lot more, both the indoor and outdoor shows, to to look at what vehicles are being displayed and to you know to push uh, compliance. I mean, there's there's plenty of people that would probably not make it into a show in Germany that can do a show in the UK. Now, when it comes to safety, I think you know things need to, things need to change. Uh, I think there's so many um, there's so many pitfalls for people. Uh, we work quite closely with insurance companies and ask them and say, you know, do you think it's okay to insure a van that has no gas or electrical certification? that's been put together by basically somebody that used to fit kitchens and they go, you know, they, they shrug the shoulders at it. And I think there's, there's too much shoulder shrugging in the UK when it comes to compliance. And unfortunately, like most things with things like this, it's probably going to take something not now to, to bring people, you know, and nobody wants to see that. And uh, But so somebody needs to get hold of the industry. You know, and the problem in my eyes, the problem with our uh, with our industry body, it's geared up for um, for the big major manufacturers, thousand plus vehicles a year, and uh, it needs to encourage more and more people, um, startups, and help and things like that to get involved with it.
Okay, that's interesting. So how how is it done in other countries then, from your knowledge? You talk about Germany, do they have... Yeah, I mean, Germany's obviously the biggest market. In Germany, you can't just go out on a Saturday afternoon as Joe Public and get your jigsaw out and start cutting a hole in top of your Volkswagen or Ford uh, and start buying bits and putting it together. It just doesn't happen. There's there's no homemade market as such in Germany. I mean, in Germany, you can't even go for a set of 18-inch wheels on your car if it has 17 inch without is it Fargic Shine or Fargic Brief apologies from German uh, but you have to get that stamp to say that you are allowed to have bigger wheels and tyres on you know on, on your vehicle uh, yet in the UK everybody's allowed to start tearing into vehicles and cutting them apart and it's only the thing is it's only the conversion market you know because that it's easy to buy a van in the uk and turn it into a camper van yeah, yeah. it doesn't happen on coach built caravans and big motor homes because they are too complex to build yeah, um, yeah. But, so you're saying there's no diy van conversion uh, in market in germany not like we've got, no, not at all. No. It's not allowed to go in there and start doing all this work to them. It's, wow. it's impossible. So, I mean, I, I, you know, I'm across the Dusseldorf like you will be in a few weeks. Yeah. And, you know, spending most of the day with old German friends and suppliers. And, you know, when we go out for a beer in Dusseldorf at night, we get talking about market like this. They are absolutely are a standard by how things are in the UK with compliance. Some of these German suppliers, their markets are bigger in the UK for camper vans than what they are in Germany. You know, wow. And we know that a lot of these products are going to the end users. I mean, at Wellhouse, we, we used to sell parts up until about oh, yeah. seven or eight years ago. And to be fair, we've not got time or resources to do it. But what scared me is people, you know, we, had, we were... You know, use an example. I remember once a school teacher bought a, a nine triple two hob and sink. Now uh, he just come and said he were a converter, and then a week later he'd come back. This doesn't work. That doesn't work. It doesn't fit properly. And when we asked him what his uh, what his skills was, he, he was some sort of history teacher, and he was building his own van in his garage. And that that scared us. Then we just thought, this we we can't be seen to be supplying people with parts for things like this. And, okay. um, and not long after, we stopped supplying. Um, but yeah, it's uh, it, and it's and it's an enormous market as well, you know. Mm. So it shows that on one hand, in, in a good way, the potential for camper van usage in the, in the UK is enormous. Mm-hmm. Look at how many is out there, but. Um, not all of them would uh, would meet the compliance. I don't think. No, no. So, so the market for new ones has certainly gone through the roof recently. You've uh, you've been very very busy. How have you got through lockdown? And what's your order bank looking like now, etc.? So it has gone. It, it is up and down. I mean, so you know, starting with the the day after Boris's speech, I got all my stuff together and I just basically said. If any of you think you're going to go home being paid, painting your fences and just waiting this out, I went, it's not going to happen. I said, we need to get through this. And uh, a few of them, you're bearing in mind, you know, COVID is a scary thing. And it yep. was it was as scary then uh, and because yeah. we didn't know, none of us knew. And a couple of them come said, oh, we're okay coming to work. And a friend of mine is a serving in Pete. 
And I asked him, I said, okay, are we allowed to work or not? I said, you've said you, you, if you can't work from home. He says, you know, well, you can't build camper vans at home, can you? I went, well, no, he went, well, you need to go to work. So we carried on all the way through. And I'm proud to say we managed to get through COVID and we never closed once, you Excellent. know. Well and then in them first six weeks, the phone didn't ring, apart from customers that had got vans on order and um, ringing us up. And we, none of us knew. We knew it would get more serious. And after about a week, Sarah, uh, my wife, and also my financial director, she came into office with, a, with the next 20 orders of the vans in build. She went each time. And I knew what she meant. I had to ring these people up. And I didn't know whether they were going to want to carry on. And we just didn't know. Yeah. And I run the first one. And he lived up in Scotland and never again never forget some of these moments. I shut the door, I were on my own in the office, and I thought, my God, the next 20 phone calls is probably determined whether we're gonna make this or not. Yeah. And this one were like, oh, ain't it bad? And I went, look, I've got to ask, you know, your van's in build, you still want it? Oh, because we want it. It's and from the very onset of this, people were saying it's like the symbol of hope. And what I mean by that is, it well, like, oh, well, that's all we've got to look forward to. You know, we can get away. Uh, I'm like, oh, right, oh, yeah, great. And then I, I spoke to the next one and the next one, and the, and all of them were saying the same thing. They were going, oh, yeah, no, we, it's going to give us this camper van, you know, a camper van to look forward to. And after about 20 minutes, I remember Sarah coming in office and, I'm not ashamed to admit I'd, uh, I'd, I'd had some rubbing at eyes because I knew we were going to be all right. And it, and that really made you think, you know, 25 staff, yeah, yeah. building, my mortgages. Not, I, I never consider I've got one more. I've got mortgage. I consider I've got 25 mortgages and rents because my staff is my responsibility. Yeah. You know, them in a job. And I remember going out and trying to do it without becoming emotional, going, we're going to be all right. Everybody still wants the balance. <laughs> That's lovely. May, June time, and then when things started to wheeze, we went from ringing the phone to make sure it was still working. <laughs> and, you know, right. we, sold, we had records. We sold like six vans in a day. Bearing in mind, we sell about 14 vans, or we build 12 to 14 a month. We did six one day. We did seven the day after. Wow. And went on and on and on and we managed in november of of this of the first year which was 20 weren't it with this november yes. we a friend of mine um, got a gorgeous villa in portugal and we managed to go away legally when you could travel for a bit they actually yeah. did a lockout while we were there but we'd gone we'd already gone and i remember the first day um i sold four vans between 9 a.m and 12 in the morning from the swimming pool. I was swimming <laughs> and these were people who had seen before and gone out, but there were orders getting confirmed. And I'm like, uh, you know, I'm, I'm easily humbled and I, I never try and forget that, you know, we thought this is never going to happen again. And it went on like this for months and months. And we'd normally have 30, 40 vans pre-sold and we peaked at about 160. Wow. Was, you know, it, it was crazy. Absolutely. Wow how it went so uh so yeah there were great times you know looking back but there were also along with that very early on i said to everybody we're going to have a parts problem i says because you know let's just use the word widget so in a in a 
in a gearbox of a manufacturer, there's probably hundreds and hundreds of parts, all these widgets that make the gearbox work that come yeah. from around the world. And I said that, you know, factories in Japan have shut permanently. Germany's open, France is part open, UK's back. But nobody's, there was, the whole world went out of synchronization and it's still not synchronized. Right. So you, you were just saying about, um, yeah, COVID kicking in, kicking in all the orders and then, uh, and then, yeah, selling record amounts, really. Hundred long, your waiting list must have gone through the roof. Yeah, um, we, yeah, we've gone nearly a year ahead uh, with some vehicle. Wow. And this, wow. Is, this is something that's all been new to us um, for, you know, we'd normally order a Ford or a new Toyota and we'd be 10, 14, 16 weeks at most. Now, some of them have taken 60 weeks. Some of them have still come through in 30 weeks. We've had some vehicles recently that have come through five months early. Early, much to, wow. Which which doesn't which is not good either, because then oh. you're having to try to deal with vehicles uh, that you don't want that's here too soon. So um, that doesn't help. So um, so yeah, we've had to learn how to manage things. But yeah. the company, I think we've always been pretty good at basically you know managing with what we've got in front of us. So uh, I think we've been able to uh, get through COVID easier. Um, than uh, than some of the big manufacturers. I'm not. I'll not name him, but one of the UK manufacturers we bumped into, bumped into him last year. One of first award dues, um, customer satisfaction awards um, at Coventry, and first time everybody had been seen anybody for eighteen months. Oh yes, and, yes. Uh, he said to me, "When I'd actually rather be you a minute than than us." And I thought that's a strange thing to say. Nobody's ever said that, and. Um, what he meant by that is, I mean, they they were on staff and had to go home, even though they got four order books, fullest they've ever had. They can't get the vans, they can't get the parts. And because uh-huh. they only build one type of manufactured van, they've not got the ability or flexibility to to you know to change. If if we if we don't have new vehicles turn up for any, any particular any manufacturer, we we've got a yard full of Japanese vehicles, most of which are sold, so we can pull them forward. Um, you know, we use different suppliers. One thing that we have had to do is we've had to have dual suppliers. So certainly on roof systems, seat systems, furniture fridges heaters everything you know so if we run out of one at least we've got the flexibility to to change to another uh but i just think that's something that's you know a bit of a uh you know good thing for what else and not just us but other you know i speak to our competitors we all talk you know we're all in this together and then lot of them are saying they've managed to be able to um uh, you know to get through because of flexibility we all have as you know, building uh, you know various different bands, but uh, we've been we've been lucky. You know, part of it is he's been lucky because we've got his Japanese vehicles, and you know, in terms of new, I ordered lots of new Fords uh, a long time ago, and we thought, well, it might be too early to order them now, but the, the day will come when we'll be glad that we did. We did, and the same with the Toyota as well. Uh, both manufacturers have been kind enough to let us pre-order for future, so we've we've got lots of them coming through. And um, we should we we if everything goes to plan, 
we've got enough vehicles on order to get us through to the end of 2023. So we should park it, you know, but yeah. Uh, yeah. Them, yeah. And how, so how long is your order book at the moment? How, if I ordered one today, when, when would I likely to get it? Uh, if it's anything Japanese, April 23, any new Ford or Vox uh, or uh, Toyota Pro Toyota. you're going to be around April time. But I have got vehicles that I've already got pre-ordered that's got earlier build slots, you know, from November, December this year. Uh, we've got vehicles coming through, but you would have to have a particular vehicle. So if you wanted to choose your, a long wheelbase red Ford Transit Custom, it's April 23. If you're happy with the short wheelbase 130 manual in bloom, I've got a few coming through in November, December. So uh, again, that will be something that we, a bit of an ace card we'll have to play. We will have stock and have vehicles. And that, you know, funny thing is, well, it's when customers ring us now. One of the first thing that they say is, have you got stock? I went, well, how many do you want? And they went, we only want one, but nobody's got any stock. I went, well, we have. Depends when you want your van. So uh, so we have picked up some business because we've, you know, we've got shorter lead times, as in six months rather than 16 months. So. Okay, that's cool. Well done. That's pretty clever. <laughs> and what, so is, is demand still really strong? Nope. No. Um, we've gone... I saw six months ago uh, that all of a sudden the emails were slowing down. The, the the crazy one, the crazy calls were slowing down, as in, I want one tomorrow. Well, have you ever had one before? No, I've never had one before, but I want to camp for tomorrow. We're going away on Saturday. Yeah. Well, it's Thursday. I think you might have left it a bit late. <laughs> uh, but that was that. You know, um, so th- they all seem to have gone. But um, we we don't really use dealers now. But the couple of dealers that we do use, we speak. Well, we speak to dealers that, that don't sell Wellhouse products as well, and all of them have said the same thing: the demand has gone. But what you've got to remember is it, it was it was never going to stay. Yeah. You know, I mean, all probably four or five times uh, fivefold up on what we would normally sell. So, you know, as airports open back up and people start flying again, albeit that's a debacle if you want to fly yeah. anywhere, if you um getting through ports is as well. You know, all these things will give a bit of a state stay of an execution in terms of sales going back. They're not gone down, they've just gone back to what they were, you know, and they're still busier, still busier than pre-COVID times, but okay. It's not as busy, but again, we people said to us, you know, even people who should know, they were, why don't you do all your work at first? Why don't you do this and do that? When, well, you know, you can't get staff, you can't get vehicles, you can't get parts. And when all this starts to slow back down, I don't want to be the one saying to five, six staff, sorry, you know, we, we pulled you in from another job, but we haven't got the orders anymore. So right. what we've done well else is we've, become more efficient with the amount of staff that we've got and we've got longer lead times we never had long lead times like some of our competitors have so our lead times have got longer but we will just carry on as normal now and just let them come back a little bit so um, but we're still selling the same amount of vans per week yeah uh, we built last week we sold five we have that for me that's a brilliant week we sold five vans all a mix of a couple of Japanese imports, a new Toyota and two new Fords. 
you know, that was a perfect week for us. We could only build three, three and a quarter bands a week. Right. So we're still selling more than we could build. So I'll settle for that. That sounds good. Yeah, you've got it all under control. You know, as much as we can. Well, yeah, yeah, exactly. There's a lot of things out of our control, but, yeah. you know, you do what you can do, uh, uh, you know. Yeah, so, from, from... so tell me, how, how do you get your new, um, how do you feed your funnel of new inquiries? What sort of marketing are you doing at the moment? Uh, we don't. That's just, you know, we are social media. People just tend to find us. Um, I mean, we don't. We, we stopped doing the shows before COVID. Um, and we're never, you know, doing a show is great. I mean, any, anybody will tell you that's, uh, that owns a com, you know, that does an EC show. You look at that stand 10 minutes before the show opened, opens with pride. You think, wow, you know, we're, we're here, it's great. But then what you've got to remember is for somebody like us that takes seven or eight vans to the show, you times that up by seven or eight vans that's not gone to customers that you have to pay for. Um, all the time and hassle building those vans and they've not gone out. Yes, you will sell them all at the show, but it just creates so many problems. And to do something like the NEC for a, I, I don't know, a, 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 third, a, a 20 metre big, 15 meter stand and staff it for a week, it's in excess of 30 to 40,000 pounds. That's helped a lot of money. It and it's not, it's not just the money as well, it's the stress um, of doing it and the upheaval and the unsettling of everything else. And, you know, I'm sure some of our competitors have looked at us and thought, mm, if one ounce aren't doing it, maybe we, you know, shouldn't do it. And, and that same applies to big manufacturers. And we all know who wasn't there at the last year. Yeah. And, you know, what happens? Do the others follow or do the do the others see it as an opportunity? And uh, you know, and I still go I'll still go to NEC, you know, for both shows every year and I walk around and think, God, should especially now it were really busy the last show mm -hmm. and I think, what have we missed out on? But then I look at us all and look at how busy we are and think, well, we wouldn't have really, you know, what we'd have had is a longer lead time. Right. And we'd, it's good for, good for, we'd have long lead time. It, they're good for awareness, particularly all the new people coming into the market. Yeah, yes, but also a lot of them people will drift in and out as well. Yes, some of them will be retained. And, and you know, one thing that I've found, um, especially second year of COVID, the second year of craziness, as I call it, is people will call me and say, right, I've got a camper van. I panning bought one last year and I bought it from ABC Conversions and there was no crash-tested seats in it. There was no gas certificate, no electrical. They're not as brutal as that and, and being extreme, but they would. it wouldn't be the van that they thought they were getting. And then they've discovered the likes of Volkswagen California, Ford Nugget, Wellhouse, and all the other decent, you know, the usual suspects who do Volkswagens. And then they'd realise that we all sell them at a price for a reason, you know, as in a tested seat, four or five thousand pounds, not not a thousand pound seat. So what you find in then is people said, look, I've actually been bitten by this bug, but now we want something better or newer, more compliant, safer, you know, a whole multitude of different reasons. Right, okay. So how are they how are they finding you then by the Google searching you you seem to be Google search recommendations um, good I think I think nowadays with social media uh, as well if you're up there 
then you tend to stay up there. Yeah. Um, I mean, we don't spend any money on advertising, and we we had a guy who will probably watch this uh, watch this video who was great at marketing, but we just oh, we're spending money to do something that we're already doing. You know, yes, we were. It's a bit more polished when you have, uh, you know, uh, when when you have it done professionally, as you know, with, you know, when you when you know when you've got one of my uh, attempts of doing a press release, <laughs> uh, which will not go into, but you know, they won't even print that. They won't print it. Prints it now, so these certain things yeah. that you've got to do. But you are very good at being very proactive on social media, and I know, I know you've got like, for instance, um, a user group, haven't you? And well, an owners group. Yeah, I mean, it's a private group, yeah, but which they private. But one of my best, you know, and anybody that doesn't understand that your current customers and happy ones are your best source of selling your next man. If people don't understand that, they are crazy. And I've seen big manufacturers, of which we all know the ones that aren't here anymore, that didn't get that, you know. And if you have an unhappy customer, you know, you, you got to sort it out, get it sorted. And you know, if you can't make a map, get a resolution where you, you both walk away or whatever. But that doesn't happen very often. But if you look at all your best converters and the ones that always win the awards. They're always the ones that's also got, you know, the best customer service. I mean, you know, when we were at the Customer Satisfaction Awards, if you looked at in the converters section, the top five of us that got the awards tend to be the top five that win the awards for decent bands, you know, and they'll be top five that are all booked up. There's a reason for that, yeah, you know. Okay. It's hard when you've got... You know, we've sold over 3,000 bands in 20 years. When you get a customer ring up saying, I've got a Toyota Regis, and this is a recent one that, uh, that you built 16 years ago and electrics aren't working, what could what are you going to do? And you go, uh, is it, first of all, you check it's not April 1st and the widening up. <laughs> then you think, uh, okay, well, we can do and help you and because at the end of the day that person hey they, they do need help and we always encourage and we are strict on making sure that they've had habitation services that's something that we are very firm on that's understandable we will refuse help eventually yeah. uh we said look you've got to have them service but you know i've had people that have come and bought a van off me who said well i had one of your grand beers and i went oh right when did, when did you buy that I can't remember you oh no i bought it off somebody five years ago but i had a you know i had a question about it or an issue and i rung up and you were really helpful so now i've come to change it i'm buying a van off you excellent you know and that's we don't we don't do that because it yeah it helps sell fans, you know, be lying if it didn't, but we do it because it's what you should do. Yeah. You know, yeah. You, you've got to you've got to put something aside yeah. to look at what you've already done. Okay. You know? But it gives you really good communications with your customers as well as good feedback. I know you put questions out to them and, and show them examples of new new items, new trims or new new ideas you've got and you get that feedback straight away, don't you? Yeah, yeah. One of one of one of the things I did, which we tried not, we tried to word it differently. Now is we're going to do a, a different type of vehicle. And what do you want? And the the thread to that on on the Wellhouse forum, we're like, oh dear, I've opened. <laughs> I tend to go back now. I've narrowed it down myself, and it's pick A, B, or C. <laughs> yeah, somebody's always going to pick Z because they can. So, yeah, yeah. but bye. 
the customer feedback and working with them, especially when it comes to doing a change of a vehicle, it's invaluable. And I have got it wrong in the last year on three or four occasions, I've put polls on, on our forum and I've expected them, you know, to be 80% in what I thought it were going to be. And it was 80% the other way. Oh, wow. Now, if I look at that and I'd have gone and built the band my way, that's eight, in theory, that's 80% of people that might not want it. Wouldn't want it a lot. So, so it's important that we do that. When we, when we were going to do the Alpha changes three or four years ago, we did a poll and we said we we're going to do this, this, and this. And everybody went, but the Alpha's not broken. Why are you meddling with it? You know, yes, change a few bits, move a few bits off, and this could do we doing. But 95% of that conversion was right. So the Alpha that we currently build, we have been building the same conversion for nearly 10 years. Right. And we've never changed it because people said to me, don't change it. Right, you know? Fair enough. Let's make it seven. And do you, you sell direct? Do you, do you still have a dealer network at all? Yeah, we have the um, PMP campus down on South Coast. Dan's a great guy, a bit like us, family business. Um, and because he's so far away, he doesn't really interfere with us. Um, the problem that you get, and we, we've tried with dealers, but the problem that you will always get is a customer will go into that dealer and then they see that we sell direct. Now, first of all, they think they're going to get a different price coming to us, which they don't. It's the, the prices that is the same price everywhere. Mm-hmm. Um, but they just want to deal direct, and we can't stop them doing that. Uh, and also, with respect, with bigger dealers, especially over the last two years, they've been so busy, you know. So uh, I always say to people, whether it's a sales call, just a general question or it's an issue on a van, you ring them back and you ring them back quickly. You ask anybody at Wellhouse what's David's biggest pet hate and they will say if somebody's not being rung back and they have to ring again. I don't like it. I don't expect. Even if it's just an acknowledgement that we're on with it or we'll come back to them soon, you've you've got to do that. And Unfortunately, bigger main dealers have struggled. Um, we've had the same when we've used car dealers to sell. Car dealers are not used to selling camper vans. No, it's, a different, it's a different beast, isn't it? You're not selling the, you're not selling four wheels. You're actually selling a lifestyle, yeah. a head of four wheels and an engine. Yeah. And yeah. you don't understand your customer. You know, and I think that's probably where with me, that's why I enjoy selling. 80% of the time when customers come, we just talk about camping and what they did when they were kids. So many customers have got history from when they were children. Uh, you know, we mum and dad in a tent or we had his own camper and things like that. So, you know, the, the actual product that they're buying from us, they already know when they come. They've seen so many videos and so much about it. It's just a matter of coming, making sure it's okay. The rest of it is about do they want to deal with us? Yeah. You know? Yeah. Or, yeah. Well, you've got all those good uh, media reviews. That really helps when people are searching and getting that third-party endorsement, don't they? And uh, as well as all the owners out there, I'm sure, singing your praises. Yeah. I mean, one of the things we do now, if you ever get anybody interested in first stages we direct them to the forum and they'll let them on the forum for a, about four weeks as a you know so and after four weeks they will go back and say have you ordered the van if they haven't 
they like the check with me or they'll ask the customer, they'll, they'll remove the person because they've got to, they've got to be an owner or have a final order. Sure. Uh, but again, I've got 570 people on that phone. Wow. What it's there for? Yeah. I'm, I'm not even a moderator. I'm, you know, just there as like they are. Yeah. So if you take off all the ones we want on order, there's probably 500 people plus all of them, obviously, you know, most of the time seeing outrageous. Oh, they are. So, they, I'm on the forum and they're, they're definitely your biggest fans. Exactly. Mm. So that's the place mm. to encourage anybody that's do we or don't we buy from warehouse because we have got some stiff competition out there that, that do a good job. Yeah. You know, so sometimes it's splitting airs for people. So put them on a forum where you've got all happy customers. Yeah. And, um, you know, that that's a, that's what you need to do. Cool. Right. So um, we've probably rabbited on for far too long and I've taken up a lot of your time. So let's just um, start to wrap things up a bit. I've got some, some quick questions and I'll ask everyone at the end and I think you'll be good at answering these ones. So, uh, if if you could take a caravan or a motorhome or a camper van on holiday anywhere in the world, where would you like to go? Um, so Italy, um, but with with any camper van, and anybody knows this, it's not actually getting when you're there; it's getting there. Uh-huh. It's the journey to get there that's the important bit. Okay. As a, I always remembered the journeys rather than the location when we got there. So um, I've always wanted to travel over the Alps mm-hmm. rather than through them. And we get closer and closer to do that. It's taken 20 years, but, uh, you know, uh, I have my own camper and we're supposed to be having one and building as own new one uh, next, sometime soon if we can manage it. Yeah, oh, that's cool. So what about if you had a magic wand, what would be your wish for the to benefit the caravan industry as a whole? The easy word is stability. You know, we all need stability. Um, and I think uh, I think what it's got to do, the industry, it's got to pull together and it's got to stop just living on its past history and thinking that the good times are here. What everybody's got to remember, and there'll be a few people who will know me on LinkedIn who'll be going, oh, he's, he's at it again here. But not long before COVID, the, the sales of some big motorhomes and caravans were, you know, they were plummeting. You know, they they really were going down. That's not gone away. It's just stalled. You know, we we've got electric cars coming that can't tow. We've got electric vans coming that can't do huge distance. So we've all got things that we need to overcome. I think we need to all work with campsites more about electric charging because that's a whole kind of worms when you get there. A lot of them won't let you plug in your vehicle on the site you're in. So, yeah, it's, you know, it's quite an emotive issue with other campsite users as well, I believe, from what I've seen on some forums. <laughs> yes. I mean, we've, we've got a great industry yeah. um, and there's lots of people going off in different directions doing their own thing. It needs some uh, some leadership to pull everything together. And at the minute, I don't think... I don't think we have the, the, I don't think we've got that in place. And what do you like most about working in the caravan industry? Uh, the, 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 the customers, you know, when you get, uh, you know, when I, when I could, I, I've actually started telling the um, Simon who does all our dispatches. I've said, look, when customers come now, come and fetch me down and let me know that they're here. Cause I sold them this van six or 12 months before and to see the delight. Oh, I can imagine. Wow. Uh, 
you can't, you know, yeah. you can't buy it. And I love that. Yeah. And when you get the uh, the messages come through on WhatsApp, because um, every one of our customers is on WhatsApp and through the whole build of the van, I video the van myself two to three times a week. So they, they watch the whole thing being built. So oh, they've nice. waited they watched it being built. It's all like it's the birth of yeah, the yeah. It is, yeah. yeah. I get that. I get that. <laughs> I don't know to uh, uh, to some of them. So you know, to see to see that first picture, and I got this the other day off one. The first picture of it on a campsite with the table set up, sat in a bit of beer, going. It does what you said it would do. Excellent. As in the map, you that that is that's what we set out to do. Okay. Try and make money a long way, which we sometimes struggle to do. But you know, getting the customer sat in front of them with a glass of wine or a beer or whatever is uh, it, that's nice when we get. That. Yeah, that's nice. That's nice. So, if you could have a, a barbecue on a campsite with uh, with three people of your choice, famous, dead or alive. Uh, other than family or friends, who would you invite? God, I'm not sure. I didn't read that question. I only got well, an off the cuff, an off the cuff reply. An off the cuff. Oh God! Uh, what did they have to be in our industry? No, no, not at all. Any anyone, anyone famous, celebrity, dead or alive, from history, wherever. Ayrton Senna. Oh yeah, yeah. Ayrton Senna, because he he won at all costs. He never gave up. Yeah. Um, um, you know, so, Any other heroes uh, of yours? Yeah, they'll all come to me when you've gone. <laughs> of course. <laughs> John Bonnery. Um, I'm an avid Bond fan, uh-huh. massive Bond So, um, yeah, and um, I don't really know the last one. The last the last one would probably be me 20 years ago if I could go back in time. That's interesting. You know, and to go back and sit there and just, uh, you know, not change a massive amount of things, but, uh, you know, if, if I could, if there were things I could change, I'd be sat here now talking to you, and behind me would be some palm trees on the beach in Balkan. <laughs> Brilliant. So I think I know the answer to the last question. Caravan or motorhome, what would be your first choice for holiday? And you've done a lot of caravanning. Yeah, I mean, out of the last 20, 25 years of that time, I have owned a caravan for probably 12 or 13 of those years. I've not had one for two or three years now. Uh, when the kids were growing up, it was easy to have a caravan. Yeah. So we've always had a decentish four-wheel drive car, hook up the caravan on down to Italy, two weeks down there. And I used to I'd run around that much through the year, especially in early days of Wellhouse. I just wanted to park up and not not see a steering wheel for two weeks. Um, I have an old 1973 Volkswagen Westphalia Wellhouse. It's the only Westphalia Wellhouse in existence (laughs) because we we completely rebuilt it, including all the furniture, but we did it in the way Westphalia had done it. We're we're a great company, I have to say. And, you know, them old V-dubs are great. So I've had that, I've owned that van for 12 years. It's the longest I've ever uh, owned any vehicle in my life. So we're hoping to go out and get some time off in that. Um, Probably not too far from home because it does break down a lot. (laughs) Brilliant. So if anyone listening wants to find out more about Wellhouse, they've got the website wellhouseleisure.com. You're on Facebook, Wellhouse Camper, Instagram, wellhouse underscore leisure, Twitter, 
uh, Wellhouse Camper. Yeah, we're uh, we're yeah we're, we're easily yeah easy to find Google. Yeah, easy to find. Brilliant, yeah. Brilliant. Okay, David, let's leave it there. Thank you very much. I knew you'd have a lot to say, and I knew you'd be as uh, entertaining as ever. So uh, I think that's been really, really great. Thank you very, very much. Okay. Say hi to Sarah. Right. Cheers. Well, cheers, Bye. job. See you later. Bye-bye. Thank you for listening to this podcast. I really hope you enjoyed it and would really appreciate it if you could share it with as many people as possible. Even better, please give me a five-star review in iTunes. It would be a great help. If you'd like me to interview you, want to suggest someone to interview, or interested in sponsoring this podcast, or want to get in touch with me for any reason, please drop me a line at john at rawlingscommunications.com or message me on Instagram at rawlings underscore comms. Thanks very much. Bye for now.